Hello and welcome to Teachers at a Crossroads. On this podcast, we talk to teachers who are going to inspire teachers with stories about how they became unstuck, moved away from their crossroads and chose different directions. Some of them stayed in education, some of them took completely different paths. So do tune in every Tuesday and enjoy the stories. Today, it's been my great pleasure to catch up with Laura Mack. And Laura Mack is from America. She's traveled and worked all over the world, particularly in Southeast Asia and the Middle East. Now, due to a back injury, Laura came across a thing called rolfing. Now, I had never heard of rolfing before, so I looked it up and it's all about dealing with different pain and realignment of the body through connective tissue. It's a lot of manipulation, a lot of hands-on treatment. So Laura is here today to tell us her story from teaching in South Korea and Southeast Asia and in the Middle East, how she saved up, got money together to do this intensive training, and then her journey towards making the transition from teaching to practitioner of rolfing. So, Laura, it's just a pleasure to have you here. Tell us about what was it that caused you to start exploring alternative therapies? Well, thanks for having me on the show, Kathy. Glad to be speaking with you again. It was my own bad back injury that led me to start exploring alternative therapies. I was living in South Korea when I had an accident that led to severe chronic back pain. But in South Korea, at that time, I imagine it's still the case, acupuncture is very uh, low cost. It's subsidized by the government. I was able to go a few times a week, and it really helped me with the pain I was in. Then when I moved to Malaysia, I got some Ayurvedic treatment for some health concerns, specifically insomnia, and that was really helpful. So yeah. could I interrupt you? With the insomnia, was sure. that did with your pain, your back injury? Uh, no, the insomnia preceded that, actually. It's something I've always had a bit of a problem with, which mm. really, I've quit drinking caffeine completely recently. So I think I'm just super sensitive to caffeine, and that's one thing. So you're taking Ayurvedic treatment, which I think is amazing. I did Ayurvedic treatment when I was in Malaysia as well, and I think it's quite an mm-hmm. extraordinary practice. It is, yeah. It can offer people a lot and it's a gentle kind of an approach to health concerns somebody who's highly suspicious of western medicine at all and a lot of people in the wellness community seem to be but i do like to find alternatives to pharmaceutical drugs and things like that where i can because you know they can be problematic the side effects so so that was what it was, you know, wanting to try to find ways to help myself in more gentle, perhaps more natural ways. Yes, understand. So as a teacher, this you're obviously teaching in South Korea and you have this back injury. Mm-hmm. Moving on to Malaysia, you're still trying to deal with this back injury and taking various mm-hmm. therapies. So as a teacher, that must have some impact on your ability to stand in a classroom, especially when you're working with young learners and you have to have mm-hmm. the movement. So that must have been quite a challenging situation. Yes, it was. It was 
it was really exhausting. I mean, just being in pain constantly, is, it's really exhausting. And it wasn't, you know, on the scale of the pain that people feel, probably the most excruciating, definitely not the most excruciating pain that people have, but it was just always there. So um, I think the, I think what I remember from that time is just it being so exhausting, the, the, the ongoing nature of it every day, you know. So it was great to be able to find a way out of that. Yeah, absolutely. So you eventually you came across rolfing. I'd never heard of rolfing before. And I think it was when I met you that, that we, I heard about rolfing for the very first mm-hmm. time. So at that point, I kind of like never heard of this practice. So what were the reasons that you settled on this practice, which sounds quite extraordinary? Yes. Uh, well, you're not the per- first person I've heard say that they haven't heard of it. Most people that I meet say they haven't heard of it, but it has been around as uh, a modality kind of since the 50s and 60s. Um, and there are probably a little over 2,000 rolfers world ro- worldwide. And I had heard of it. Uh, I had maybe read an article or something like that before I finally had the opportunity to see one when I was on holiday in Thailand. And so I tried it. There happened to be a role for this wellness center where I was. And I was still in pain. I had three sessions with this rolfer and I was 90% better after those three sessions. It really shifted something for me. Yeah. So, so the intrigue was there. Indeed, yes. And about six months later, I had a few more treatments mm-hmm. uh, when I went back to Thailand. And that made me even better again. Improvements over the first three sessions that I'd had. And since that time with yoga, uh, keeping my yoga practice has been a big factor in helping me stay pain-free. Right. But right. I had been looking to maybe change careers, and that was the moment where I thought, this work is amazing, and this is something I would like to be able to to give to people. So you've had acupuncture, you've had different treatments, Ayurvedic treatment, for, which also help with your insomnia. And so what exactly is rolfing? Is it like a massage or physiotherapy? It, well, it is a hands-on therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's typically the classic thing would be a Rolfing 10 series. So that's 10 individual sessions with the Rolfer. Each session has a specific focus right? in, an, in a different area of the body. Right. The overall goal is to bring more ease into the body, to help kind of with the body's natural alignment and gravity there's movement education involved sometimes i describe it to people as being kind of like a cross between massage and physiotherapy although i'm not completely comfortable saying that it's like physiotherapy because physiotherapists have such extensive training but there are the movement education is where it can resemble physiotherapy in awesome. some respects so here you are at a crossroads then thinking, okay, this is something I'd like to give the world. 
here I am teaching in Southeast Asia. Um, mm -hmm. How am I going to do this? So, mm -hmm. and what training entail? I believe it took you something like 10 years to save up sufficient money to do your training and then take the time out to do it. Yes. Yes, it did. This was right before I moved to Malaysia, actually, that I had these Rolfing sessions. And I was in Malaysia for five years saving and, and enjoying what I was doing in Malaysia. But I knew that this was a contract job that wasn't going to last forever. Yeah. Yeah. And so I said, okay, well, I'll be, be here saving my money. This is a good job. And then when the, when I could see that the end was near for the contract in Malaysia, I knew that I was going to need to save more money. So I moved to Saudi where I could make the most money. <laughs> I think for any of us who've been through Saudi, you know, if you're going to Saudi, you have to go there knowing you're going there to make money. <laughs> so yes. I believe also that's where you met your now husband. That's correct. Yes. Yes. I was living in Saudi and I met him just three months after I got there. Wow. Gosh, I hadn't realized it was so quickly. Yeah. You've been in a big partnership, I think, ever since. <laughs> yes. So mm -hmm. did you go back to the States to do your training? Right, so the training was done in three modules with a couple of two or three months in between them over the the course of a little over a year, right. the modules were two or three months long each, fairly intense, pretty much 40-hour weeks. But at the same time, the instructors were fantastic and also very mindful of trying to make it as stress-free of an experience as it could be. It was an experience. I did that in, at the well, it was then called the Rolf Institute in Boulder, Colorado. Now it's changed its name to the Dr. Ida Rolf Institute, but it was a wonderful experience. Boulder's a place to be, and so that was also very nice. So this is partly why you needed to save so much money then, because you're back in the States. Exactly. You've got to live, the sustain yourself, as well as pay for your training, and then exactly. you're back all the practitioner stuff and the assessments you have in between. So armed with that qualification, what were the next steps for you? Mm -hmm. Well, I had gotten married during the time it took me to save up for the course. And my husband's job dictates that we live in the Middle East. So I came back to where I live with my husband and we actually moved to a new community and so we didn't really know anyone there, and I wasn't entirely clear what the rules were right. for working, uh, the type of work I had just trained to do. And, and then the pandemic started. <laughs> so I had been warned that it was going to take me some time, kind of as an expat wife, to get a proper working visa and these sorts of things. This is something I'd heard happening to a lot of women who, you know, were in the Middle East with their husbands. So I, I, I was trying to be patient. And then about a year after I got back, uh, the pandemic started. And so that really 
really through a spanner in the works as yeah. it did for so many people. Yeah. I did see very few clients, a few clients, you know, just close friends and, and these sorts of things. But it was a hard time actually, because I had these new skills. I was so eager to get to work yes. and I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. It, it was, I was really kind of sidelined for about three years and a bit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Long time. It was difficult. But uh, I was very lucky at the same time because, unfortunately, my husband is gainfully employed. So it wasn't the financial struggle that it was for a lot of people, but more of just kind of a mental struggle. (laughs) So, So for the wellness practitioners who ended up having a really difficult time of jumping through hoops to try and get visas, did you find a way, started looking at getting a visa, a different kind of visa somewhere else? That's right. Yes. So we had moved country and I knew it would take a while and it did. Uh, and I think half the problem was the pandemic. I think if it hadn't been for the pandemic, I wouldn't have been sidelined for as long as I was, but the pandemic was, was a problem. So all of this, you've moved out to teaching, you've got your qualifications, you saved a lot of money and took that whole year out to do that. And these are some of the kind of like when I first spoke to you, I know at the time you were really struggling with getting the business off the ground and getting visa mm. situations sorted. And I think as well, sometimes when teachers are at that crossroads, they want to jump without really thinking about what the consequences might be and mm-hmm. hurdles they might have to jump across. And I think right. uh, listening to something like yours, although, I mean, you're now in the process where it's beginning to fall into place. It hasn't been a straightforward road at all. There have been difficulties that you've had to overcome and challenges you've had to work through. Definitely. That is certainly the case. And as you say, well, what you said resonates with me that that I kind of jump without, I know you were talking in a general sense, but this was very much the case with me. I kind of made the leap without having drawn out in detail every step of the process between self and my ultimate goal. But I don't have regrets about having done it at this point. I just wish that it could have happened in a more straightforward way. (laughs) I think I like many things, but either I think teachers will sit at that crossroads and they procrastinate because they put off making the decision. So you've got this kind of catch-22 situation. Do I jump? Do I go for the retraining and just trust that everything will fall into place or that I have the strength, the stamina, the finances to overcome? I feel, you know, with your story, you have faced them. You do know what your end goal is. And I think as long as you know what your end goal is, I think you keep moving toward. That's the light that keeps drawing you in some ways. Um, And I, I think yours is a fantastic story. And you're still in process, but you mm-hmm. have a huge leap away from education. I mean, completely different. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and also the proof of the, the alternative practice you use, the rolfing, is something you've experienced firsthand. It's not something I think, I'll just go and do this and I'll be a teacher. Right, right. It's mm-hmm. something experience. You know the kind of relief that people can get from pain and discomfort. So, um, yeah. you know. So I think, where are you now? Not in terms of location necessarily, but just in an mm-hmm. 
business? Mm -hmm. Well, I've started working for an osteopathic clinic and there are a lot of um, different practitioners there that are offering a range of things, a range of treatments for people from acupuncture to obviously osteopathy, different types of massage. I'm the only rolfer there and it's it's commission-based, which is fine for the moment. I'm starting to see clients and it's great. I mean, rolfing is definitely something that is that rewards experience. It richly rewards experience. You learn so much by working with clients. So I'm very glad to be at that point where I'm able to learn and at the same time I am on a journey with my clients to help them find a greater sense of comfort and ease in their own bodies. Oh, excellent. So then you're able to practice and apply. I know your ultimate goal would be to have your own practice and maybe that's something that will come down the road. In, t- in terms of your future, mm-hmm. any ideas? Well, to be honest, at this point, it's been such a long journey to get here that I'm just going to try to be um, as appreciative as I can of each opportunity that I have to work with each client that comes before me, you know, and I think that it's been four years since I graduated from school from the retraining. So that's four years that I missed out on of, of learning Mm -hmm. through experience, which is, you know, I try not to dwell on that because Mm -hmm. if I did be super disappointing, but I'm very glad to be here now. And in the future, maybe I would like to have my own place. There's a good chance that would be after I leave where I currently live, which is uh, really pretty far down the line. Okay, so right now you're you're still in the Middle East. You're somewhere mm-hmm. out that you you see a future maybe later mm-hmm. on when things are ready when you make that big move for two of you. Okay, so just a final question then for you, Laura: Is the teachers that are thinking about alternative therapies, whether that be acupuncture, yoga, homeopathy, these kind of things, things that are completely different, even Ayurvedic practitioners? What would your advice be to them? Well, I would say that it's a very good idea to do some research into how you'll be able to legally practice where you live. Maybe that sounds obvious, (laughs) but... I guess I didn't, I didn't plan on meeting my husband in Saudi. Yeah. And, you know, and then his job kind of dictates where we live for the moment. So, yeah, I took that leap because of circumstances that were kind of shifting under my feet. So, yes, if someone is going to live in a country other than their home country and practice their new modality, I would definitely advise them to find out every little thing about working legally where it is that they intend to live. Okay. I think that's great. So 
really, if somebody, if there's a teacher listening who's interested in maybe pursuing an alternative therapy, the best thing to do is first of all, research what you've got to do in the retraining. Then look about it one step further. How are you going to practice it? How are you going to apply it? And if, you, as you say, I, I know I, I live in Spain and the situation for self-employed or freelance people here is vastly different than the UK where I come from. And it's really expensive yes. to be employed in Spain. Um, mm-hmm. Once you've done it and you've got there, it's a good way to do it. But again, I had to face all those things as well. Of, it cost me a lot of money to work here. So one of the things that really strikes me, Laura, about the things that you've said is about now you're practicing, now you're working with clients, your your dream would be to have your own practice, how much you are mindful of what you're learning. And there's a level of gratitude that comes across from you. You're really grateful for where you are now. And I, I guess within the alternative therapies, this is one of the underpinnings of being mindful being in the moment, learning to be grateful for the things we have within our, within our current sphere. So. Yes, I think you're right. That resonates with me. And honestly, that's one of the things that drew me to the practice, that drew me to Rolfing is it is very much work that lends itself to uh, presence and mindfulness. And, and of course, when someone comes to you as a client and puts their trust in you to help them along in a process of hopefully recovering some wellness that they may have misplaced, that's a really great honor and certainly something to be grateful for. And it's wonderful to work with people and whether the transformation be an emotional transformation, a spiritual one, or a physical one. And I would imagine with your physical one, it's going to be a bit of everything because once you're out of pain, you can then start to breathe again and relax and enjoy life. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine there's a huge reward coming back to you from the work you do. Yes, yes, I do feel that with clients that I work with. Excellent. Laura, I can only thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot to do out there. And I know obviously as you're starting to use your practice now and use your role thing, I can just wish you the best luck in the world. I don't think you need luck. I think you've got it all there together. I think you're just aligned and in tune. So thank you so much, Laura, for giving us your time, for sharing your experience of moving away from teaching, away from the crossroads, and into a completely new environment and skill base. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Kathy, for giving me this opportunity to talk with you about this journey. It has been a challenging one for me, but uh, completely rewarding. And I wish all of your listeners the best of luck in their own endeavors towards whatever they're moving towards. Thank you so much, Laura, and we'll say goodbye now.